Pastor Katie. Thank Thomas as well for that wonderful children's message. I know some of you are convicted by the smoky kitchen reference. You are not alone. I've been there too. We've been doing a lot of sermon series these last uh, handful of months. Uh, There's no sermon series uh, here at PUMC for Advent. We're just going to focus on the season of Advent and uh, we're going to focus on the scriptures that are suggested. You heard one uh, suggested Advent scripture earlier and now you're going to hear another, this time from Psalms. It's Psalm 25 verses 1 through 10. Psalm 25, 1 through 10. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Do not let me be put to shame. Do not let my enemies exult over me. Do not let those who wait for you be put to shame. Let them be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. Be mindful of your mercy, O Lord, and of your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for your goodness sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast, love and faithfulness, for those who keep his covenant and his decrees. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, we pray that we each are able to hear what it is that you would have us to hear this morning. We pray that as we encounter your word, we can encounter you. We pray that this encounter be meaningful transformative. We pray that the preacher be nothing more than just a vessel. It is in the name of Jesus that we do pray. Amen. We are in the season of Advent. Advent is kind of peculiar. We focus on something that has already happened while also focusing on what is happening now, while also focusing on the not yet. We focus on what has been, now, and not yet. 
And in Advent, we say peculiar things. At least some of us may view them as peculiar. Some of these things we say at other times in the year, but we really, really put a focus on them in Advent. Things like, Christ has come. Christ will come again. We say things like, come, Lord Jesus, come. And when we say those things, for some, uh, wishing for Christ to come back is problematic. Not only is it peculiar, but for some, it's problematic. For some, it makes them feel kind of weird to beg Christ, to ask Christ to come back. Uh, The folks who feel this way will tell you, well, I kind of like life the way that it is now, and this whole apocalypse Jesus coming back thing sounds kind of scary. So I'm good. No desire to say, come, Lord Jesus, come. The whole fire and roaring sounds and weeping and gnashing of teeth, we're good. I like things the way they are. For others, the calling for Christ to come back, the focus on the end times, can become an unhealthy obsession. For some, the focus on the end is all that matters. Therefore, the now is devalued. Or, if we are always worried about it being the end, which some of us do worry all the time as if this is the end of time, we never really get to appreciate the now because we are so focused on the worries of what if this is it. Now for those who do focus or obsess on the end, uh, there have been many predictions that have been made over time. Uh, many times it's based off of scripture, and other times it's based off of other signs, and sometimes it's just pure madness that uh, lead to these uh, predictions of when the end is going to occur. Uh, this goes back all the way to uh, biblical times, the times of Jesus. Jesus, as you heard earlier today, tells uh, his followers that uh, they will not pass away, their generation will not pass until these things have come to be, until they see the Son of Man return in a very uh, judgmental way, they will not pass. And so uh, we have that. We also have the uh, early church who uh, took Scripture and they interpreted it quite literally in a lot of places, and they would actually keep watch. Because if you look at certain scriptures, it would tell you that if you are asleep when the end happens, when, uh, when, when Christ returns, if you are asleep, then guess what? So sorry, should have been awake. Should have had that extra cup of coffee, right? So they would actually have, in the early church, when they would gather together, you got to think they're, they're staying together as well, um, they would have people who would keep watch, and they would have assigned shifts where uh, they stayed up and kept watch. And so it would be Paul's responsibility, for example, uh, to make sure that if Christ comes back while everybody else is asleep, Paul has to wake everybody up, right? And so that's what they did. But here we are. Hasn't happened yet. All the predictions have always been wrong. 
100% wrong. But the predictions keep coming. Some of you remember Y2K? That was supposed to be the end of the world as we know it. In fact, if you go on to trusty Wikipedia, uh, you will see that there are 174 recordable, those are just the recordable ones, 174 uh, failed predictions of the return of Christ, the end of time. Again, those are not the ones that your crazy Uncle Tom predicted. These are the ones that we would call newsworthy, 174 of them. Uh, there was this group, for example, called the Millerites. Not the Miller Lights. <laughs> Although they might have benefited from a few. They were called the Millerites. And they followed this fellow by the name of Miller. And they would predict that time was going to end, that Christ was going to return. That day would come and pass, and they would say, we miscalculated. It's actually going to happen this other time. And that time would come and pass. And they would say, we miscalculated again. And this kept on and kept on and kept on happening. And they never got it right. Some of you may be well-seasoned enough that you remember the Heaven's Gate cult. Another prediction for the end of time. Uh, their leader actually believed uh, that there was a spaceship that was following a meteorite. And uh, the only way to escape uh, the wrath of the aliens was to take your own life. Thirty-some of his followers did just that. Again, they were wrong. More recently, there was a Christian uh, radio personality by the name of Harold Camping. Uh, Harold Camping was much like the Millerites. He made several predictions, and each time that he was wrong, he just said, I messed up on my calculation. It's actually not going to be this Thursday. It's next Wednesday. Next Wednesday would come and go, and he would be wrong. His most recent prediction was in 2011. I was at a pastor school with a bunch of other United Methodist pastors. And the time came and went that Harold Camping said that uh, the rapture would occur and all the true believers would be taken away. The time came and went, and us United Methodist pastors looked around the room at one another and we said, well, either it didn't happen or we've got things all wrong. So here we are, waiting, still waiting, waiting still. We humans, we're not the best at waiting. For many of us, waiting causes severe anxiety. We live in an instant gratification society. We're not used to waiting. It's instant gratification. And we want what we want, and we want it yesterday. And in a society that is focused on instant gratification, when we do have to wait, that typically elicits 
a couple different types of responses. One response is impatience. Oh no, I have to wait. Don't you know who I think I am? I should not have to wait. If it's going to happen, then it needs to happen now. Why is this drive-through so slow? Why do they tell me to pull off into the parking space to bring me my food in the drive-through? It's a drive-through. I shouldn't have to wait more. There's got to be a quicker way to get around that traffic circle. <laughs> How much longer before the nurse calls my name? I've been in this waiting room for 10 minutes. How much longer must I wait? Don't they know how important I am? I have stuff to do. When is the preacher going to stop making this point and move on to the next one already? (laughs) The second response that is common for us humans as we wait is the anxious response of not knowing what to do in the meantime. The anxious response of of not knowing what to do while we wait. We are a a fidgety people. Just go to a waiting room, like at the doctor's office, and keep your phone in your pocket or your pocketbook, right? And just watch us. Just watch us fidget. Watch us as we, we transport ourselves into a different reality because being in the present reality where we have to wait makes us so uncomfortable. So we'd rather transport ourselves by way of a device into some other reality where we can get what we want immediately as opposed to having to sit and to be present in this actual uncomfortable reality that causes us to wait. We're like kids at Christmas, sitting at the base of the tree and being told no. It's not time to open the presents. We're so used to things happening now, we don't know what to do when now is not possible. And so we fidget and become anxious. We can't stand to wait. It's torture. And oftentimes, because we do not know what to do in the meantime, we view waiting time as wasted time. The thing about Advent, the thing about Christ returning, that part of Advent, is that, well, it it may sound cliche, but God's time is not our time. And God values the in-between time. For God... Waiting time is not wasted time. And we would do well to remember that when it happened the first time, it took nine months of being formed in his mother's womb. Nine extra months. It was an instant. It could have been if God wanted it to be. That's not how it happened. 
it was nine more months. Nine more months of waiting after people have been waiting for generations and generations and generations for a Messiah. There was more waiting. What was nine more months? Because you see, some things are worth waiting for. Is God worth waiting for? This is not a rhetorical question. I actually expect a response. Is God worth waiting for? Good job. I had to do it an extra time at the 8.15. We'll chalk that up to it being so early. Yes. Yes, God is worth waiting for. Absolutely. And since yes is the answer, since God is worth waiting for, then your life in the meantime should reaffirm your response. You should live your life in a way that, that displays, yes, I believe God is worth waiting for. Your life in the meantime should serve as a testimony that you believe that God is worth the wait. Your wait time, your, your meantime should be filled with activities and attitudes and, and practices that show God is worth waiting for. Each and every day, our song should sound like the song of the psalmist. That's what it should sound like every day. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Do not let those who wait for you be put to shame. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth. Teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. This should be like our, our, our posture. This should be our, our song. This, this type of, of response to the promise of God returning should, should be like uh, our, our, our very being. It's a hopeful anticipation of what will be and a grateful participation in what is. Joyful anticipation of what will be and a grateful participation in what is. So as we wait, with that joyful anticipation and and with that grateful participation, we may just discover that the whole thing, what we say, is actually true. Christ has come. Christ has come. And Christ will come again. And since it has already happened once, we should not mind the wait. There's plenty of God around us to keep us occupied in the meantime. We are not void of the presence of God in the meantime. Pay attention. Yes, Christ will come again, but Christ has come. 
pay attention as you wait. And praise God for the presence of God now and not yet. Would you pray with me? God, help us to fidget less and anticipate more. Turn our impatience into gratitude and help us to enjoy the gift that is now as we wait for the gift to come. We pray this in the name of the one who has come, in the name of the one who will come, in the name of Jesus. And all of God's people say,